This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate. Are you ready to take your multifamily game to the next level? Well, you need to join us October 12th, Saturday, October 12th, for our one-day multifamily foundation workshop. We're gonna bring it to you live. We got a list of 15 speakers that are gonna go through the process of everything it takes to get your mind right, get the deal right, learn the terms, understand the markets, learn how to find the deals, learn how to underwrite the deals, learn how to put your team together, everything from property managers to brokers to insurance companies. Beyond that, what's the proper way to raise funds for a deal and how to close a deal and what to do after you take over a deal. So it's gonna be a huge event. It's gonna be awesome for you to join us. Got a great space. It's gonna be here in New Jersey, in Springfield, New Jersey. Of course, it's gonna be a one day event, but we got everything packed in from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Right now, if you put in the code workshop, you're going to get a special discount. And again, that code is workshop. You need to go to multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com and go fast because we've sold a ton of tickets for this. I actually was able to get a bigger room, so but that's filling up quickly as well. So again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Put in the code uh, workshop. There we go. Got that down and look forward to seeing you so we can all take massive action together. Well, hello again and welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Foundation Show. Thanks for checking back in with us. Always glad to have you. And of course, if you like what you hear, go over to iTunes, give us a ratings and review. It doesn't have to be five stars. We just want to hear from you. We want to hear what we're doing great, what we're not doing great, what we can do better for you. But we do have a great show for you today. So we know this is right going to be right up here. We have Mike Bonadies on the show. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on the show. Super excited. Well, we are actually live down here in Trenton at the Hive Studios, and so we're actually having a face-to-face conversation here. So this is awesome. I'm very excited. And so Mike's a landlord and a co-own uh, a property management company, which is Terra Vestra Property Management. His property management company specializes in managing rentals in the South Jersey area, currently managing over 65 units with Camden, Cumberland, and Gloucester counties. And if you look at their portfolio, they manage about 50% single-family homes and 50% uh, multifamilies, with most of them being in BC neighborhoods. So Mike, welcome to the show. Did you always work in real estate or or how'd you first take that first step into real estate? Yeah, I did not always work in real estate. Uh, I I, I was kind of a corporate worker for a while. Um, I started off out of college with Stanley Black & Decker, which owns DeWalt Power Tools. You know, a pretty well-known brand of power tools that's on the construction job site. Mm -hmm. And I, I started off in the sales position, went out to, to Oklahoma, traveled around with them uh, at different various places around the nation. But I ended up into a position where I was in charge of managing the P&L and for a product line and managing, launching new products and figuring out who sells what for how much. It was, very, um, it was, a, very, it was a position based in wheeling and dealing. You had multiple departments that you had to work with, and you had to satisfy all of them and the un- end customer. And you were putting together big deals that would go inside a Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, you know, new products that would be decided to go inside there. And while I was there, uh, and it ties back into real estate, my, my, uh, a friend of mine who was a couple cubes down the road, uh, uh, his name is Alan Klein. He's a landlord out in Scranton, Pennsylvania. He heard what I was doing, and I was always known as a wheeler dealer in the office. And he's like, yo, Bonadies do a lot in this job that's just like you know what I do in real estate 
And I said to him, and I remember saying specifically, yo, isn't that what like grease balls do in suits? Like they try to sell you like something on that, you know, that you don't want to do. And he's like, no, no, no. What you're putting together for like Home Depot and Walmart, you know, you do this uh, in real estate. And so I walked away and I took a look at it and I, and I looked at the P&Ls and I looked at the contracts that you're doing real estate and how you brought people together. And I was like, holy cow, this is exactly what I'm doing for my nine to five job, except I can get paid more for doing this. Yeah. And it's like my own business versus me working 80 hours a week for, you know, my, my employer. And that's kind of, you know, ever since then, it's been history. I got involved with it and kind of went from there. You know, that's a great show if you ever want to start at Yo Bonities. Yeah. yeah, the Yo Bonities <laughs> podcast here with your <laughs> friendly welcome, Mike Bonities. I love it. I've already thought the name. Just give me branding rights when we get down there. So I, well I, did, I did you that service. So <laughs> so a lot of people get that great idea, right? And, and, and it's just like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to go. And then they, they never take action because they have that certainty of the job at a certain point. But you took action. What was that step? What was that first step you did there? Yeah, I was, I was pretty traditional with house hacking. I bought an, used an FHA, FHA loan to do a duplex in South Jersey. Now, where I did take the step in that transaction is I moved from Washington, D.C. to South Jersey uh, because I, I, first of all, I'm in love with South Jersey. I'm from South Jersey, and I knew, I, I think South Jersey has a lot of good metrics going for it from a real estate perspective, uh, and I knew I wanted to be a landlord back here. So mm. I was like, I'm going to do uh, a duplex, house hack it, and that's how I got involved. And then my next deal after the duplex would be a 10-unit deal. So I went from zero to 100 uh, from a landlord perspective uh, 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 that way. Wait, so talk to us about the 10-unit. What, what was that, that trigger, right? Because that, that's a big jump. People get stuck, and they're like, ah, oh, it it's too big. And we have this conversation all the time is that it, it's where your mind can go first, right? Yeah, a absolutely. It can, you know, for me, it was driven by chemistry, which sounds really strange. I had gotten the duplex, and I actually then – tried to wholesale some properties. I did wholesale about four properties after I got the duplex and I sold two of the same deals or two of the different deals to the same guy, Drew side, who's now my current partner in Terra Vestra. And, uh, he, me and him like hit it off. We, we we're like brothers now. Like we, we talk a lot and we were like, you know, he had a deal going. He's like, yo, uh, another yo Bonadies. Yeah, yeah. Yo Bonadies. <laughs> I got this deal in Westville. You want to, you want to go in with me on it? And, uh, uh, the rest is, you know, history from there. Sure. I, I saw the deal with him. We had such great chemistry. We worked well together. I was like, this is, you know, the numbers made sense. But what was more important, the partnership makes sense. And we kind of went from there. And that's how I went into the 10 units. I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have him uh, with me. Because between the two of us, we were able to tackle. And there was a third partner, Tack. He, he was great, too. And we all tackled this uh, uh, deal together. And then we kind of built from there. Well, that's, that's sometimes the, the glory of partnerships, right, is that y you have that partner where it, it gives you that, that comfort in the right way to be able to go out there and take that step because you can align forces to really tackle with something that maybe it, separately you both weren't ready for. And then you just have this affectious energy. I can see why you guys are, you know, you, you dive into this and you, and you go after it. Did, were you managing all of your properties from the start or did uh, – because – Generally, people may start and, and tiptoe into it or get a couple properties and then bring back in-house. But were, did you guys set it up from the start and vertically integrate from there? Yeah, we were, we were already managing uh, from ourselves. The, the one, it, it, it links back into Terra Vestra property management, but also something of value that we bring to the, the table. We have really good relationships with the townships in mm. um, South Jersey. And, uh, and for people that aren't from New Jersey, townships have a lot of power uh, over uh, what becomes a rental, uh, is it rent ready, etc. And we had gone to other property managers and like, hey, can you manage our properties? And 
uh, we would ask him the same question. And the question was, walk me through getting a CEO in Gloucester City. And we'd listen to how they'd respond. And all of them, none of them we were satisfied with. It was very transactional. They, some were upfront. It's a very transactional nature. We'll do this, yada, yada, yada. And it was like, that's not how it, it's done uh, in that city. So you're off, you know, we're not going to go with you. Um, and then we realized a couple other people started coming to us and saying, um, uh, 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 you know, can you get the CEO for us? Can you go help us through this process? Can sure. you manage that stuff? And we kind of went from there. And that, that's one of the values uh, that we brought knowing the township. So we kept everything in house because nobody else could do the right, right, right management for uh, what we were doing. So what, what's the keys? Give us three keys to success for setting up a property management company. Ooh, okay. So uh, we're big believers that you have to have a really good foundation on maintenance. Um, maintenance is usually a tripping point. And when you talk to a lot of property managers, it's not about knowing guys in pro- for maintenance. It's about being the guys because then you have control of the schedule. Um, so it's not like, oh, yeah, I know a guy that can go get it fixed. Well, you don't know when that guy can get out there and get it fixed. We have 23 uh, employees for a sister company of ours, DCS Enterprises, that we can call in for maintenance at any given time, and we can move it where it needs to be. So that allows us to control the schedule. It also allows us to get lower prices because at the end of the day, we're the, mm-hmm. the, the, almost the contract. We are the contractors. Um, and um, uh, it gives us that flexibility to move people where we need them to be for either township uh, 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 certifications or for emergencies or whatnot. So mm-hmm. maintenance, un- having a core understanding of maintenance. The second is community relationships, and this is probably a South Jersey-specific thing versus more, um, you know, if you look outside the state. But you need to be integrated into the communities of South Jersey. You need to live and breathe South Jersey. Um, we, we're, we're fairly well-known in the townships we do operate, and we're known as being good people and good landlords. Um, we take care of our properties. We take care of our tenants. We actually uh, – uh, uh, there's flooding in Westville, um, God, uh, a couple months ago, uh, one of the houses got completely flooded, like hmm. completely uninhabitable, had had the cut card come out, the electric come out. We stuck one of those tenants in a property we owned ourselves. We didn't charge them a thing. Hmm. Just said, stay there for 30 days. And it, this, this, it's a small community. So everybody knew that we had placed someone there, took care of the community. We're the only property managers that pulled water heater permits that week to replace all of our water heaters uh, oh. that got destroyed. And by us being a part of that community and caring about that community and caring about the people inside of it um, and, re- and, 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 and really bleeding that community, that, get, that helps us out in other ways when you're a property manager and you have to, you're, you're managing a part of the, where the, the members of that community live. Um, and um, uh, the other element of property management um, uh, uh, that's important is evaluating deals for your clients. Um, we're not just a tenant manager. We're not just a maintenance person. We look at the deals that our clients are thinking of buying, and we say, look, these are the things you want to consider. Here's what my numbers say. You know, I know that you want to – sometimes you get rambunctious people that want to buy properties just because they want to get into it. Yep. You know, we, we, take, we take a step back and look, this is what's going to happen when this occurs. Or some that say, look, this is a great deal on paper, but then there's some hidden elements that – need to be worked out um and and we're local enough to know those hidden elements that if they were if they do exist but we walk we, we make we, we let our clients know this is a good deal or this is a bad deal we kind of help guide them and then when they do ask us hey you know i'm looking to buy more properties we can tell them check out these areas check out these streets look at this part you know this this property and, and kind of guide in that way and it go, that goes back to really the community relationships you're just passing on to the investor right correct and and that guide carries forward it, it's 
it's not what you're doing when people are looking, it's what you're doing when people aren't looking. And it's so easy for, for us in a day, it, it's so easy to do the right thing, yeah. and people try and cut corners thinking that it's going to save them, and ultimately it, it bites them down the road, right? And so you weren't thinking about what everybody else was going to think about when you took this tenant and just put them in, a, in another house. It was just the right thing. Yeah, and, and at the day, I mean, if, if you're an investor, especially if you're a buy and hold investor, um, your reputation's always up on the stake because, or up at stake because whatever that tenant does inside your property mm -hmm. is a reflection on you. Yeah. Um, whether you believe that or not, it's true. A lot of townships look at it as, all right, you put someone who's questionable in there, um, they trashed your place and the neighbor's place, it's on the landlord. They're never going to forget mm -hmm. that. Um, so we do, we vet our tenants strongly. And then we also treat the tenants with respect um, and make sure we put higher quality things inside of our units uh, because we want them to stay. We want them to be happy and we want them um, to have a good demeanor yeah. uh, because, again, that's a reflection on you as an investor. And one of the most important things that when you're investing in w is really property management, right? Because you're going to look at this and the tenant may never know you as the owner, right? If I'm investing a thousand miles away, they don't know me, but what represents me is my property management company. And many times it, the investor, they blame everything on the property management company, but, but you haven't done the right vetting. You don't know what they're going to do because you don't ask them questions. Oh, so they're just, I just hired a property management company. So they, cause they manage properties and, but then ultimately you didn't ask the right questions. So you didn't give them any guidance. So maybe they think they're doing an awesome job as a property management company, but you had this different, thought of how it works and because you weren't fluent with that conversation then you're ultimately disappointed and on the same front even for the maintenance perspective it, it's, it's hugely important and for me it, to have a, a company we have a hundred unit property I, I want maintenance on some some capacity to be in-house because I don't want them to every time you know, you know there's a plumbing leak they have to call a plumber come out assess it go back and buy the part I'd rather pay a little bit more for the speed within reason, a little bit more for the speed, then have to do this whole song and dance of finding somebody who can't come for a week and a half, even though I'm going to save, you know, 20% on it. Yeah, I, I, and I mean, uh, even if they have it in-house, it should also be a financial benefactor to you if you're going to be one of their clients. Yeah. Because um, think about a, a standard property manager who doesn't have maintenance in-house. Mm -hmm. uh, they sometimes have to go to a GC who might have a maintenance person or a farming, like an MRO-type company. So their MRO company is going to have a markup already. And the property manager is going to mark up on top of that, let's say 10, 15%. So now you're looking at a markup of 30 to 40% on, la on, on labor and supplies when if you went to an in-house person, it would have just been the, the generic markup of the MRO company that would have handled it uh, uh, you know, in-house in for them. So you should be not only have a faster response rate, but you should be saving money uh, for companies that have maintenance in, inside house, in-house. So how do you guys expand now? What, what's the next step in the process for Terrafestra? So we're trying to continue to grow our units. We're just solely focused on South Jersey. We are trying to be, uh, in, we jokingly say, in the swamps of South Jersey. Um, and uh, uh, we're trying to grow our, our amount of units in there. We have multifamilies. We have single families. We also have some commercial properties, just a smidgen. We're looking at growing that. Um, uh, uh, but we are increasing our maintenance breadth. We want to be able to start doing work um, for investors and real estate agents that let's say a real estate agent calls up and says, look, I'm supposed to, we're supposed to close in three days. Mm -hmm. I have this problem that came up. We need to go solve it right away. It's a small maintenance thing. Instead of going out to a GC and getting, going through all that lines, they can call on us and we can do the work. Additionally, we have a dumpster company too, uh, Platinum uh, Disposal. It's, it services South Jersey as well. So we're kind of, if you look at, you know, uh, uh, property management. You have a lot of property management companies that work on the upstream is what I call it. So selling the properties, wholesaling the properties, putting together the financing, kind of everything up into the investor. Mm. We focus on the downstream. 
So we managed the property, but we also have the maintenance. We also have the dumpsters. We have the clean out. You know, we have everything going downwards. Uh, what went into property. that choice? So what, what was it? Because you talked about everybody going on the upstream and you're going on the downstream. Was that just, it just was a natural occurrence or was there, what was the thought process of saying we're going to, we're going to buck the trend? Yeah. So a lot of it, I have to thank uh, my partner, Drew side. He already had, he had been doing the field service industry for a while with uh, his DCS enterprise. So it was a natural fit, but additionally, um, I'm a big believer of, of, of having grit and then stepping up for the jobs no one else wants. So there's not a lot of people that want to do the maintenance and the MRO and the dirty things inside of property management. We love it. Mm. We strive in it because nobody else wants to do it. And when nobody else is doing something, you know, there's, there's advantages from a business perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You're going against it. And, and some that, that's just a well said point for business, right? You, you have to really think about where you can provide value, but in the same point, not chase what everybody else is doing because it looks right. And if you stay there within the lane of, well, everybody else seems to be doing this, so I'm going to follow that path. You're ultimately not going to find success because you're not happy with it, but you guys love maintenance, love what you're doing, and it's a niche where everybody's saying, uh, I, I don't want to do it. So for, for vertical integration standpoint, how do you pick those items that, that are most beneficial to you so you're not too spread out as you go forward? Yeah, um, it, I don't have a silver bullet because I think we're always constantly – uh, uh, learning on that, you have mm. to you have to bring in the right people, and bringing in the right people in the maintenance level is can be very difficult. Um, you do have a little bit of a churn and burn. Mm. Uh, you bring in people, you see what their talents are uh, from a maintenance repair perspective, and then you kind of capitalize on that. Um, so, uh, uh, for instance, uh, we have guys that are incredibly good at patching roofs or putting on new roofs, and we've really capitalized on that. And that wasn't something that we actively went seeking for yeah. uh, and but god we can we can turn a roof at you know 250 a square 200 a square and and get it done in a day and be over with and that wasn't something that we, we initially went on same with kitchens mm. um replacing kitchens was something where like okay you put your standard 10 by 10 kitchen you know it's probably going to put you with cabinets and, ev- and countertop you know you're looking at five six grand we, we could do it at like three and just because we have the right installers and the, the right uh, network of suppliers uh, giving us the stuff. So, um, you know, it wasn't, it, it, we knew we needed stuff for general maintenance and then you kind of, the, the teams kind of, uh, I think as Drew sometimes puts it, they fall into their own. Sure. And they, get a, they develop a specialization. Well, you have that <laughs> eyes wide open approach, right? Instead, exactly. instead of just, just saying, no, 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 we don't do that. Well, we're, we just keep doing it. So why don't we just do it? Because it works and it's been beneficial for us. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, almost uh, burning the uh, – uh, you're, you're, you're stuck in a situation. You're in a situation yeah. where, like, hey, i got to go figure out uh, a solution to something that came up with one of my properties. Well, let's just do it. And then you find uh, – or and if you can't find anyone who's doing it, you become the specialist. And then it kind of just goes from there. It gets a little organic. Yeah, and it, I could see that, right? Because so many people say, no, I don't want to do that. And in, in the cross front, you know, sometimes we, we get overburdened. But if you ultimately always say, I, I'm not going to do something because I'm, I'm afraid I don't know the answers, well, that's where you get stopped. And you guys have been a big – you know, your team has been a good paramount of just finding what works and then making it its own by finding solutions to all the problems. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, talk to us about hiring. What, what, what are some of the best ways as you're building a team? Wh- what has been the learning curve? What, have been, what are some of the, the, the keys to the tricks here where, where you do have a lot of churn and burn, right? But yeah. how are you getting ahead of it now and, and creating a process that's more streamlined to build the company? Yeah, it's um – 
it's probably not as streamlined as, as I would like it to be, uh, but it to be one of the things that I think we all focus on is your ability to fit into our culture, mm-hmm. um, which is not something you can do during the interview process. So we're almost, we almost interview quickly, hire quickly, and uh, we tell them, hey, be there at 7 a.m., see how it rolls and then sure. if they, and they and if they make it they make it if not you know probably probably not always the ideal way to, to hire but you know when you do find the people that do culturally fit with you mm. um you really have a chemistry going and you you can uh, uh accomplish much more than just someone who could complete a task very well um we do uh, uh, a common tactic for maybe the managerial side of things um we have good cop, bad cop. I'm the good cop sometimes, and Drew's the, the good cop, and sometimes I'm the bad cop. He's the bad cop. Uh, we just had a hire for an operations manager where I was the good cop, and I said, you know, I was kind of like giving the rosy picture of everything that's going on, and then Drew would come in and give the, you know, here's the grit of it, and we see their metal. We test hmm. their metal because this is a gritty part of the industry we are in. Sure. Um, you, get, you know, we, have, we do manage stuff in C-minus neighborhoods, so you get tenants screaming at you sometimes for things that are not, you know, at all in your realm. Or if you're a maintenance person, you might have to go into questionable blocks. Yeah. Um, and uh, we see how they handle, uh, let's say, um, adverse uh, reaction from one of us on purpose. We're purposely setting this up. And, and you can kind of get a gut feel mm-hmm. uh, of the temperament of the person. Well, so. yeah, and you can't set that up in an interview, right? And, right? and just it's that same component, you know, hire quick and fire quick sounds rough. But again, from a per- perspective of one being the employer and the employee it's the best case scenario for both because there's no reason to have this tumultuous relationship that you hold on to right i always go back to the story i had a friend he he had worked at a restaurant forever and he was just miserable and he was just miserable and he had been there so long so they didn't want to fire him because they felt like they owed him because he had like helped start the restaurant and then one day the the manager just finally fired him and it was such a relief for him because he couldn't let it go because that's what he had done. Yeah. But and it was such a relief because it, it was like it was like this cloud over the restaurant. But it was this point where they let him go, and ultimately he was doing he's doing so much better because he, he was able to go out there and not have this burden of this job he hated. But sometimes we get to this point where we we feel aligned to these people that we bring onto our team to keep them, yep. even though because we feel bad for that point. But it, it's not the best situation on both sides. Yeah. I, there, there is one, um, you know, not caveat, but additional to this. If they are part of the culture, they're almost like family to yeah. us. It is a family-owned business. And that's why it works, right? Side. Yeah. So when, when you culturally work out, like, it, <laughs> we're all very close with each other. We'll have cookouts or do certain things all, you know, all together that I don't think maybe other employees and employers have. Mm. And, and we'll call on for each other, and, and we're all supportive of each other when, when, it, when the chemistry is there. And that's what we try to strive for. So it's even though we're all separate families, it is like a family, you know, business when when you've whenever when you've gotten past that that um not honeymoon phase but that initial. Is there a, is there like a company mantra or uh, huh. um besides Yobonides? Yeah, besides Yobonides. Um I wouldn't say we can't put it into words so much as we we get it done. Like we yeah. do what it takes to get it done. Um there are things that are not fun that we have to go through, leaks that are bursting through the window, you know, bursting through the ceilings or, you know, uh, for instance, uh, one of our, uh, we had a, we had a, we had to do a final walkthrough for one of our tenants last night and, and, uh, some family stuff came up for one of our employees. They couldn't make it. I mean, there was someone else there to cover it at eight o'clock at night to mm-hmm. drop off those keys, just get it done yeah. and do it right. But get it done. Uh, when the customer wants it, 
because the customer, you know, if you don't deliver for the customer, then yeah, make it happen right because it needs to happen. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, w- what does the next five years look like for your company? Yeah, so we're going to continue to expand in South Jersey. Um, we're really looking uh, uh, at at Gloucester County, Salem County, Cumberland County, and Atlantic County, um, which is very specific. I know this this podcast goes out farther, but we're really looking at those counties um, to to grow more. We're targeting. Uh, clients that have, you know, those six to 14 unit small apartment complexes. And one of the things that has kind of developed, let's say, eyes wide open and kind of where it's narrowed down, we've become specialists at the C neighborhoods. Um, so not a lot of property managers want to be in C neighborhoods. Uh, we are adequately equipped to handle that, and we've come quite good at, at handling those types of neighborhoods. So I, I feel that we're probably going to continue to develop in those, those uh, uh, neighborhoods and um, uh, get them more units as not a lot of property managers want to play there, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of investors that want to be there because the numbers make sense and, and marrying yeah. uh, that demand. It's, and that's important from a property manager side and from an investing side is one, a, as a property management company, if I was going to go to a property management company and say, hey, I want to buy this apartment building, they say, okay, yeah, we, we handle a 1,000 single-family homes, a bunch of duplexes, and may, maybe a 50, 140. Well, I wouldn't go with them because I don't want someone that, that's learning the curve to me because they try and cover everything. I want a property management company that says, hey, I got a 10-unit uh, C-class building. Um, I want I want to talk to you guys. What do you do? Oh, we focus on 6 to 14-unit properties that are C-class. Well, perfect because I want someone that's going to align, that knows the process, that's set up for it so I can just be in your I, – I, I just want to be a speed bump in your process because you already have the systems in place. I don't want you to have to go grow a team just to try and figure out how to work with me. You, you, hit the, you, you hit the nail right on the head and a lot where we see the demand come from investors where they try to hire a property management company from outside the area mm-hmm. to come in because they have a lot of doors here and it's, it's a train wreck yeah. because they just don't know the isms of mm-hmm. each town. Like something really simple, Pine Hill, uh, New Jersey, down south, uh, in South Jersey, the inspectors in that, that, that community are going to check for loose outlets in every single outlet. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in other townships. Yeah. You know, just knowing something like that, okay, you just lost three days because now you got to have a maintenance worker come boom, in boom, and boom, out. But if you have someone who's local knows that, you uh, preemptively, all right, get, you know, let's go get Jim in here. He's going to go tighten everything, and uh, we know that's going to come up, by the way. You're also going to get dinged for this, this, and this. This is what we're going to get taken care of. And you're in this neighborhood, so you're looking at probably four weeks before we fill the unit. You'll get this price range. It'll be that. Mm-hmm. You know, you just know every element of that town. And you guys know the stories of the properties, and that's always yeah. important too. You, you have this property manager, you know, whether they have you know fifty units or ten thousand units. If they're local, that and they're usually a company, and they have that family culture. They they've been there, so they understand it. So as a property comes up, you can tell them the story about. Okay, yeah, that property's been marketed six, seven times, even though they're saying it's a new listing. Or that property, hey, that property got flooded, even they're not telling you. Or that that landlord is 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 horrible. That you're definitely gonna have capex in this in this property, and that's what's important. Where I, I see a lot of people try and transition as they grow to regional players, and then they get this regional rep, and that regional rep comes in, but they don't. They're they're there as a, as an overseer, but they're not. Now they have to put in that process, but they they lose that feeling of having that local interaction yeah absolutely uh, i put put that to a real life example um uh there's a a, a triplex on, on nicholson road in gloucester city that i think 
five people have brought to my attention, hey, Mike, I think this is a great deal. Can you go manage it? And I'm like, all right, here's what's going on in that property. It's been on sale for the past two years, yeah. and it's this price point, and this is where the owner lives, and this is why it's not selling, and here's exactly what's going yeah. on here. Uh, you definitely want to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good, and it's from the investment side, too. I get so fluent in the market that people will bring up deals, and they're like, oh, dude, like – I saw that three years ago and like it just because you you get in there and you really dial in and so it's the same thing from an investing strategy is you want to be so dialed in in the market because real estate's a landscape across America but every market has a certain areas that work like in the town I live there's better parts and worse parts my, my yep. town's great and someone someone says my town oh yeah it's a great town but there's certain parts that you know, you demand a million dollar house. And then if you take that house and plunk it in this other neighborhood, maybe it's five, you know, 600,000 because yeah. it's just a less desirable neighborhood. But in the front of us, you say, oh, it's a million dollar house in Westfield. It will sell, but not in that neighborhood. Uh, absolutely. And, and when you're, especially when you're dealing with, and maybe investors who are looking at a spreadsheet and they're trying to say, you know, to, to bring it back to your example, this is what my ARV should be. So they're about mm -hmm. to buy it with cash. And they're going to get a deal from this wholesaler. Uh, that, that says, hey, this will work out for them. They you know, we ran all the comps and whatnot. Uh, there's been a couple of times where I've protected clients that said, look, on, num on paper it looks this way, but I can tell you because I have four appraisals from an appraiser, this is what the number is actually going to come out to be based on what's going on here. There's some antics that's going to throw off your comps. Um, here's what the dollar price is. Are you prepared that this is what you're going to be for the refinance? And then they're like, yeah. that's a great point. You know, you're going to save me you know, money on that. Having that kind of knowledge I think is super vital for – property management company and that's how you grow your business <laughs> so hey are you ready for our snap action questions absolutely let's go all right best piece of advice you've ever been given Ooh, um stand up for the or take the job that nobody else wants that was told by me by the uh, president of stanley black and decker when i used to work for them love it what talent do you wish you possess Ooh. doesn't have to be real estate of course what talent do i wish i possessed i wish i was more uh, uh, like I had graphical create like creativity branding sure. element. I I'm not. I'm awful with like colors and and like trying to create branding for things. So I wish I had that. Yeah, I'm like, see, see my hands. I like throw rocks at the computer and say, <laughs> "How do I get this thing on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone exactly. call somebody in here. Wait, what's your real estate superpower? Ooh, uh, my real estate superpower is that supposed to be like a hyperbole, like a like a, a, a take it how you want. Okay. Um, mm. state superpower uh when i'm showing tenants i i already know what their uh, credit history uh, <laughs> and and background check is gonna come back so i don't have to go through the application love it love it hey it works what's a lesson you've learned throughout this process that's definitely helped you uh, excel in your real estate career okay um the ability to leverage not just your network, but the network of the people inside your network. Mm. Um, you know, when you have to, when you have a niche job and you've got to call on, you know, you can't take care of it in-house, but somebody in-house knows somebody who can take care of it because it's a really strange problem in oil, involving oil tanks or something like that. Um, that has been quintessential to being able to get things done quickly and efficiently and in a timely manner. Yeah, it's the power of a team, right? Just having that person that doesn't, because that, that could sideline you for weeks if you don't have that person there. What's a focus or productivity hack you use? Ah, uh, I do 90-minute sessions, and I think I got, I, I was doing this before. I think they brought it up on Bigger Pockets at one point, but um, uh, they're, they're, I work on a single topic, 
for 90 minutes. As soon mm-hmm. as 90 minutes hits up, I move on to the next one. It, it, it's to prevent me from uh, getting diminishing returns on my own work. Love so I, I don't get too trapped in my own thoughts. I try to move on to the next. Yeah, what's it like if you um, – if your uh, your attention gets uh, distracted, it takes you like seventeen minutes to get back on on track onto a topic, something like that. I think is the metric. It's somewhere in there. It, you you get the premise, but in that part, if you're constantly jumping from things to things, you can never really get your focus back, and you're losing your time. That's great. What's your best tip for success? Uh, this is gonna go against the trend a little bit. Buy the really re- buy the buy the properties that no one else wants because it doesn't fit the cookie cutter, cookie cutter mold. In other sure. words, most of the properties I own are, I only own two properties that were built after 1950. Hmm. Most of my properties were built in 1910. If you go on the, 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 the common knowledge, you're going to be like, buy after 1950, get this certain type of electrical, yada, yada, buy those problems. That sounds like money to me. You can improve them. You can get them at a lower cost. Yeah. You might be dealing with some skeletons in the closet. So hmm. my tip is buy the properties. No one else wants. Um, as, as long you know, yeah. Buy the properties no one else wants as long as you can make it work, and yep. you should definitely you know specialize in something like that. And have people like Mike and his team that are there to assist you because they're fluent in that type of work. So, Mike, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Jason. This has been fantastic. So, where where's the best place for others uh, to learn more about you and your company? Yeah, go to um, www.terravestrapropertymanagement.com, or you can uh, uh, reach out to me via email with m bonadies. Uh, at tvpm.info. Awesome. Mike, thanks so much. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure. This is Jason with the Real Estate Foundation Show. Thank you. Bye now. Mm-hmm.